0: Okay, are you ready to be yoked up with Jesus? Uh, That's the invitation, right? And it it sounds so crazy uh, to submit to a yoke, right? That's what a beast of burden does. That means you're agreeing to the work. And yet Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and what you'll find is rest. Isn't that an amazing invitation? And that's what we've been discovering in this masterclass that if we will let Jesus be the one that teaches us, while there is work to do, the work that Jesus calls us to is work that restores our soul and brings us joy. So that's the invitation today. The invitation of this whole series to get yoked up with Jesus and let Jesus begin to teach us how to live. And we've talked about how how important this image of the yoke is, right? Because once you're kind of yoked in there with Jesus, uh, when Jesus stops, you stop. And when Jesus moves, you move. And when Jesus walks the straight and narrow path, well, then so do we. We walk with Jesus, and he guides us in the direction, and he guides us in the pace that we need to go. When we are weary, Jesus pulls the load. And when we are prone to wander off and run off, Jesus guides us in the direction that God is calling us. That's what it means to be yoked up with Jesus. And and today, as we find ourselves in the yoke with Jesus, continuing this master class, learning from Jesus, we're going to encounter one of the most important truths of life. Kind of a a fundamental truth about how to thrive and make it in this life. It's true for kids. It's true for parents. It's true for the young. It's true for the old. It's true for men. It's true for women. It's a truth for everybody about how to thrive in life. Uh, But to find the truth, uh, we need to tell a story. It's It's a story from the Bible from early in Jesus' ministry. His fame is beginning to spread. He's becoming increasingly known as a teacher and a healer. Crowds are starting to gather. And Jesus returns to a town that he's already visited before, a town where he had already preached and healed and taught, and, and the crowds already sort of knew who he was. And so there's already a lot of excitement from the first moment of his arrival. Uh, this story is found in Mark chapter 2, verses one through 12. It says, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof by digging through it. I love this scene. Uh, In that world, it was common to have a flat roof with kind of stairs that went up on it. it, sort of served like a porch or a deck. And these guys come and they see the crowds and they know we'll never push through the crowds, but we could dig through the roof. And so that's exactly what they do. They take their wounded friend on his stretcher up to the top of the house and start digging through the roof. The text says that when they had made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, they then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Can you just picture the scene inside? First, you hear the noise of the digging, and then dirt and dust start to fall in through, and soon there's light coming through, and soon there's a hole big enough for a stretcher to be lowered down on top of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there. They apparently got there early, so they got good seats. And they were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, Jesus claimed to be able to forgive this man's sins. Was Jesus claiming to do something that only God can do? To forgive our sins. Immediately though, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to them, "Uh, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier for me to say, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? His point here is that if he just says your sins are forgiven, well, nobody can prove whether that's true or not. It's just Jesus' word against the teacher's word. But if he were to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. In that moment, his, the truth and power of his words would either be proven or disproven because either the healing would happen or it wouldn't. And so he goes on, but I want you to know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sin, so I'm going to prove it. And he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And sure enough, the paralyzed man Whose friends had carried him there and carried him up on the roof and dug through the ceiling, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. You can picture the scene, right? It would have been kind of weird because the crowds are there. Have you ever tried to walk through a crowd sitting on the ground? You're kind of picking your feet, trying to step in between people and over people, and he's carrying a mat all at the same time. It would have been awkward. It would have been. Taken forever for him to wiggle his way all the way over to the door and out in through the crowd. The Bible says this amazed everyone. I'm sure it did. And they praised God. They said, We have never seen anything like this. There's a lot to learn from this text. Uh, We learn that Jesus has the power to forgive sin. Uh, we learn that, that our faith, our trust in Christ is, is part of, of how we respond to God's offer and God's love. We learn that the people of the ancient world, they knew something was special about Jesus and they crowded to hear him preach and teach and heal. But there are two things we learn from this story that I I just can't let you miss today. And I just want to focus on these two things as we talk about this story and what it might mean for you and and the truth that the master wants to teach you about how to live your life. Just two simple things. Are you ready? Number one, everyone needs Jesus. And number two, everybody needs a team, a group a community, people. Everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs a team, a a crew of people that show up when they're in trouble and surround them in their difficulties, rejoice with them when they rejoice and weep when they weep. Everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs a team. Well, look at this story. This guy, lowered down, the, the, you know, it's clear he needs Jesus. Only Jesus on that day can forgive his sins and only Jesus can heal his paralysis. As important as his team was, as great as everything else was, if he hadn't had Jesus, that day would have been a bust. And this isn't just true for that man in the story, it's true for all of us. The Bible says this again and again, that everybody needs Jesus. Uh, The the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 4, they've been arrested for healing a man, actually, uh, much like Jesus did. And they were using that healing as an occasion to preach about Jesus, much like Jesus did. And they get arrested for this, and they're told to stop talking about Jesus. And in Acts chapter 4, Peter says, I want you to know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone which the builders rejected, who has now become the cornerstone. And listen to how Peter ends. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved he says everybody needs jesus jesus is the only one who saves again the bible just again and again reminds us this jesus himself says i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me i i think about the time in john chapter 6 when Jesus has preached a controversial sermon, and many people wander away, and Jesus turns to his many disciples that aren't, haven't left, and he says, aren't you going to wander away too? And they say, well, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. So what this man learned on that day as he was lowered down through the ceiling is what's true, God's word says, for everybody, and that's Everybody needs Jesus because only Jesus forgives sin and only Jesus heals what is broken. Listen to that again. Everyone needs Jesus because only Jesus forgives sin and only Jesus heals what is broken. But the second truth of this story that we learn from this man's life is that everybody needs a team. Everybody needs a group of people that are for us. They're on our side and they're with us. They stick with us. They don't abandon us. Again, go back to our story. You see, as much as he needed Jesus, if he hadn't had his team, he never would have made it there, right? You know, if these four healthy guys couldn't make their way through the crowd, there's no way the paralyzed man in the story could. And yet, he had a team. He had not been abandoned, and not just any team. He had a faithful, committed group of companions that were willing to climb up on the roof, dig through the ceiling, lower him through the ceiling, do major property damage so that this guy could get to Jesus. And the Bible is crystal clear that you need people like that. People that will climb up on the roof and do property damage so that you can meet Jesus. Again, look all throughout God's Word. It talks about how Christians are called to love one another and care for one another and serve one another and comfort one another and support one another and grieve together and laugh together. And if all those one another actions are part of what it means to follow Jesus, well then that means you can't fully follow Jesus without a group of people around you that are sharing that spiritual journey, right? Uh, I, I love Ultimate Frisbee. I'm not great at it, but it's probably the game I'm best at. I love Ultimate Frisbee, but you can do it. There's, a, there's not much you need for Ultimate Frisbee, you know? You, you don't need much. I, I've played it in basketball courts. I've played it in parking lots. I've played it in fields. I've played it in backyards with, where you're dodging trees. You don't need much of a field. You don't need much equipment. I mean, basically, you just need a Frisbee, right? I mean, lines and goals are nice, but you don't, you don't have to have end zones. You can figure it out, right? Anything past that bush, well, you know, that'll do. You need a Frisbee, but you do need other people. I've tried to play Ultimate Frisbee by myself. It's a really boring game. You throw the Frisbee and then run and pick it up off the ground, and, that, and that's all you got. And following Jesus is the same way. You don't actually need much, but everybody needs Jesus and everyone needs a team. Let me say it the other way, think about this. Think about all the people you know in life. Think about all your friends and family and coworkers and classmates. Maybe picture some of them. Here's what I want you to hear. No one is meant to live without Jesus. And no one is meant to live without community. So if you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus and understand about Jesus' love for them and compassion for them and Jesus' forgiveness for sin and healing of our brokenness, they're missing out on how they were meant to live life because nobody is meant to live without Jesus. But by the same token, if you know somebody, maybe they are a Christian, but they don't have community, and they're lonely and cut off and forgotten. Nobody was meant to live like that. This guy in our story, he certainly needed both, right? But that's the thing you can't remember. This story would not be complete unless he had both Jesus and a team. If he just had a team without Jesus, well, it'd be just a story about vandalism, right? There'd be nothing cool about this story. It would just be five guys ruin a house. Like that'd be the whole story. But if there was just Jesus and no team, Well, this would be a terrible story about loss, about a man who wanted to meet Jesus but couldn't because he didn't have a team around him. No, it's only when we have both Jesus and a team, a crew, a group around us and with us that we live the kind of life Jesus wants for us. And every one of us are somewhere in this story. Okay, that's what I need you to recognize. Everybody is somewhere in this story. Sometimes we're the person on the stretcher, aren't we? Where we need Jesus so desperately and we're depending on the people who are with us and who are for us and who love us to help us reconnect with Jesus. Sometimes we're the person on the stretcher. But sometimes we need to be the person carrying the stretcher, right? To invest in someone's life deeply enough to introduce them to Jesus and bring them to Jesus and say, I know the one who can forgive your sins. I know the one who can heal what is broken. I know the one who can respond to your needs. I can't do it, but I can carry you there if you will let me. And whether you're in a season where you're the person on the stretcher or you're the person who's holding one of the poles, nobody outgrows these fundamental needs. We all need Jesus and we all need a team. You read the book of Acts and you discover that this is part of the secret that made the early church so powerful. They were laser focused on Jesus in their preaching and their teaching and their declaration. And they were laser focused on deep fellowship and real community that included everybody in the life of the church. These were the pillars of their ministry. Real community, deep, powerful community, and a laser-focused declaration of Jesus Christ. Uh, look back at Acts chapter 4. We talked about it earlier, how they, how they were preaching Jesus Christ and healing in his name, and it gets them arrested, and they're just like, listen, the only name under heaven by which you can be saved is Jesus, so we're going to keep talking about Jesus. At the end of that chapter, after the arrest is over, we discover in verse 23, that the people have already gathered to pray. Peter and John returned from their arrest to find that the community, the team had not abandoned them, but in fact had gathered to pray for their rescue and they continued in prayer. In Acts chapter four, verse 32 and 33, listen to this explanation of the priorities of the early church. Acts chapter four, 32 and 33 all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they all shared everything they had. That sounds like quite a team, doesn't it, right? We win the game together, we lose the game together, but we are on the same side, working to accomplish the same goals. And when you're injured, I hurt for you and I help you, and we support one another. They were all one in heart and mind. And then the next verse, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There it is in two verses. How do followers thrive? How does the church thrive? Where where does the yoke of Christ lead us? Where does it pull us? Well, if you're trying to isolate yourself, it pulls you back because everyone needs a team. And if you're trying to survive on your own strength, it pulls you back because everyone needs Jesus. And that is still true. Try this with me, okay? Say this aloud. No matter, maybe you're watching this in your car or listening to this on a podcast or you're sitting in a living room by yourself or with a couple other people. Say this aloud, just repeat this after me. Everyone needs Jesus. Okay, now repeat this. And everyone needs a team. Let's make it personal. Let's make it about you, okay? Try this with me. Because this, this, this is just truth from God's word. I need Jesus. Say that with me. I need Jesus. Now say this. I need a team. Try that one. I need a team. See, it's true about everyone, which means it's true about you. It's also, though, true about everyone you know. Let's try this This as one big, long sentence. Let's say it all together. I'll say it, and then you repeat it with me. Everyone I know needs Jesus, and they need a team. Say that with me everyone I know needs Jesus and they need a team. And here's what I know. I know that COVID has made this a challenge, right? Some of the the easy ways a person might have met Jesus by just showing up at a church event or something like that has gotten more complicated in the COVID season. And certainly a lot of our teams have been disrupted by COVID. That's one of the things I've observed is that that COVID is the great relationship disruptor because it has messed up so many of our common strategies for maintaining relationships. I know it's had that effect on me. A lot of my strategies for maintaining relationships centered around shared meals or, or small gatherings. And many of those have been disrupted or sometimes even ended because of the disruption of COVID. In fact, almost everyone I talk to, when I ask them how they're doing, eventually shares that this last five months of their life has weakened their important relationships. Now, maybe it's strengthened a few relationships. If you got quarantined with your family or with somebody like that, you know, but, but most people I talk to say that most of their relationships have been weakened by this season. So what do we do? Well, we either give up and give in and wait for all this COVID stuff to be over, or we rise up and dig in and commit to this principle. We commit to Jesus and we commit to strengthening our communities, rebuilding the team, getting the band back together. And if Jesus is the one who's driving the yoke, folks, Well, then we know which of those choices we need to make. We know we can't give in because Jesus is so clear. Everyone needs Jesus and everyone needs a team. And I just want to say to you as directly as I know how, and I'm I'm preaching to myself too because I've got to hear this gospel word as well. We must resist the relational erosion that COVID has caused. And the way to resist that is not to get angry about social distancing or get angry when somebody wants you to wear a mask or get angry about how we have to sit farther apart. That anger doesn't actually help us resist the relational erosion. It just makes the relational erosion worse. Instead, the way we resist it is by getting creative, recommitting to Jesus and recommitting to intentionally connecting relationally with others. And I really think this is a place where, I, where the church can give a gift to our world because we're the ones who are yoked up with Jesus. We're the ones who have learned from Jesus that everyone you know, Think through some of the people you know that are just having a hard time in this season. Just kind of picture them in your mind. Maybe it's a family member or a coworker or a neighbor, and you can just tell that they are at their wit's end with loneliness or anger or depression or struggle. Maybe it's you, and that's kind of where you are. You're just like, I'm so sick of all this. My guess is you need two things. My guess is the person you're thinking about just needs two things. They need Jesus, and they need team. Just for a second, I want to talk in a very specific way about how you can do that, how you can, how you personally can find Jesus and find a team, and how you can help others do that as well. Now, obviously, this spiritual truth is true generally but for it to matter for a general spiritual truth to matter it has to be expressed specifically and i want to talk about one specific way you could express one specific way you could express this we're doing this thing in about a month called love does it's a sermon series that'll affect our weekend worship for 6 weeks but more than that after the kickoff week the next 5 weeks the sermons will line up with a small group or Sunday school class study guide and we think this is an opportunity for our whole church to respond to this teaching from Jesus that everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs a team. The content of the study is about how God actively loves us. Love does. Love acts. And how we, having been loved by God, are called to respond with active love for others. It's going to be a fun series and an inspiring series that reminds us the mission of the love of God. Certainly one of the ways you're going to be challenged to participate is in worship. I hope that everybody will make a commitment that they're going to attend worship all six weeks in a row. Not miss a single week. Whether it's outdoors or online or who knows what, they'll commit to be in worship. But one of the ways that you participate in this Love Does project that comes up in September is in a group with your team. Why are we prioritizing participating in a group so much? Well, because of what the master teaches us. Everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs a team. For kids and students, we're making this really easy. Kids and student groups launch September 9th some meet at the church and some meet online and some meet in homes but wherever yours meets this is the perfect place for you to learn about jesus and for you to find your team you hear that it's the perfect place for you to what learn about jesus and find your team why because everybody needs Jesus and everybody needs a team. So kids, students, go online, fcc-jc.org and find the details for where and when your group is meeting. They launch September 9th. For college age students, your stuff launches tonight. August 30th, college nights begin with food, yard games, awesome fellowships, some great teaching. Again, why would you invest in such a thing? Why would you leave your campus or your house or your dorm or your apartment and drive to go get some free food? Well, that might be the answer, free food. But other than free food, why would you do it? Because you need Jesus and you need a team. If you want the details about those gatherings, you can get those details from the FCC College Age instagram page this is for anybody who's college age whether you're taking a gap year or you're in class or about to graduate wherever you are head to fcc college age the instagram page and find out how you can get connected starting august 30th now for adults that are older than college age i'm going to be honest for you i'm going to raise the stakes if everyone you know needs jesus and everyone needs a team I just wanna be clear, I wanna just ask you, do you have a strategy for helping the people you know find Jesus? Do you have a strategy for making sure the people you know have a team that is for them and with them? What about for yourself? Do you have a strategy to make sure you stay connected in these crazy times, stay connected to Jesus and stay connected to your team? Here's my challenge. I hope that everyone will get on a team for these seasons. Maybe that means you'll reconnect with a Sunday school class that you used to be engaged with. Or maybe you'll join one of the lots of Love Does groups that we're going to be launching and you'll see advertised over the next month. It's super easy. Go to FCC-JC.org slash Love Does and there'll be a button that says, I want to join a group. I want to get with some people to learn about the love of God and how can I express it, to learn about Jesus and to get reconnected to a team. I hope every single person who watches this does that. But I've got a second challenge. This probably isn't for everyone, but it's probably for most people. And it's definitely for you. I hope that hundreds of us, and I really mean hundreds of us, will decide to gather a team Because remember, it's not just that you need Jesus and you need a team. It's that the people you know need Jesus. The people like you need Jesus. The people you work with need Jesus. And they need a team. We have put together a really, really user-friendly set of tools that will allow you to invite people and launch a Love Does group for these five weeks in alignment with our sermon series. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be simple, it's the kind of thing that a person who already follows Jesus will enjoy, but it's also the kind of thing that somebody who isn't sure about Jesus, but they sure know they could use a team, and they're interested in hearing about the love of God. They would also enjoy this stuff. Maybe you could just ask yourself this question. What are some of the relationships I care about that have been weakened by the disruption of COVID? I bet you've got some. I know I do. Could you invest in those relationships by inviting them to a five-week, really fun, really engaging Bible study? Maybe you could ask this. Who do you know? Picture somebody with me. Who do you know? that needs Jesus right now. Maybe they need forgiveness, or maybe they need healing. Who do you know who needs Jesus? Who do you know who needs a team? So many of us are struggling with loneliness and disconnection right now. Who do you know who's struggling in that way? And remember, it is technically everyone you know who needs Jesus and needs a team. I wonder, are you brave enough To start a group for those people that you know who need Jesus and need a team? Are you brave enough to do it? We'll train you. We'll equip you. You've just got to be brave enough to say, hey, we're doing this thing at my church. Do you want to meet in my backyard every Tuesday night and watch this video and discuss the love of God? Do you want to meet over Zoom? Do you want to meet Whatever you're comfortable? We're all in a different place with this COVID stuff. However you're comfortable meeting, that's how you should meet. Why does this matter so much right now? Well, it matters so much right now because we are in a hard season when the need for Jesus and the need for a team of people to go through life with has never been greater. And of course, it also matters so much right now because it just plain always matters. How do I know it always matters? Well, because the one who said, come... Share my yoke. Learn from me how to live. That same one teaches us through his life this very basic truth. Everyone needs Jesus and everyone needs a team. Say that with me one more time. Everyone needs Jesus and everyone needs a team. Now make it personal. Say it with me. I need Jesus. And I need a team. Now think about those you know. Say it with me. Everyone I know needs Jesus. And everyone I know needs a team. Let's pray. Gracious God, keep us yoked up with Jesus. When we are prone to go our own way and wander our own path, remind us everyone needs Jesus, and that starts with us. We need you, Jesus. When we are prone to just think that Christian community is just too much work and it's too hard, especially with all the restrictions, it's just too complicated, remind us. What this guy learned is that everybody needs a team and that the day might come when without our team, we won't know how to get to you, Jesus. And we need people around us that are ready to pick up the mat. Or maybe today's the day when we need to pick somebody else's mat up. God, I pray for the people who are becoming aware that, um, that they need to launch a Love Does group. And I just pray that that they would just be brave enough to do it, just say, "Yeah, I've got three friends, and and I'm going to invite them to my backyard five weeks, and we're going to talk about how much God loves us and how we can love others." Or they say, "Yeah, you know, our neighborhood, we've just gotten all gotten so disconnected. I'm just going to, we're going to do a block party every night and talk about this and." I don't know who it is you're calling people to, but I just pray for the people that are here in that call right now that you would just make them brave enough to, to act on it and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to go find some people who need Jesus and need a team, and I'm going to help them, invite them into something where we can support one another and care for one another and, and live some life together and encourage one another in this crazy season. I pray for the people that are ready to do that, God. Would you give them bravery I pray for the people that just need to get on a team. Like they just, they, just, they just need to admit that they need you and they need a team. And maybe their very first step is to say, yeah, I need to join a group. Or I, need to get, I, I do need to be forgiven and I do need to be healed. And, and so I'm going to get baptized and, and learn what it is to follow Jesus. I pray for them, God. Mostly, God, I pray for me. And every single individual that's listening to this sermon right now, I pray for us that we would never forget our most basic and simple needs. Lord Jesus Christ, we need you to forgive us and to heal us. And Lord Jesus Christ, we need your people Bind us close with brothers and sisters in Christ who can support us and strengthen us when we are weak and whom we will support and strengthen in turn when they are weak. God, this is what we need. We need you and your people. Provide it for us in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.